Hi, Nathan Murphy here. Uh, this is a very special episode of Off the Ball. It is sponsored by Island's Edge, brand new, unexpectedly refreshing Irish stout. And this part of Island's Edge podcast tour of live podcasts promoting interesting conversations and encouraging the exploration of choosing different. We are down in the Roaching Dove in Galway for a brilliant night alongside Owen Sheehan, Ashling O'Reilly, Gary Murphy, Stephen Hunt and Cora Staunton. And the reason we're there is because ultimately the difference between us is the space where new ideas come to live and evolve. So we're delighted to be part of the series. Here's our unexpectedly refreshing chat with a pint of Island's Edge in hand. Hope you enjoy. Our next guest that we're going to bring up on stage this evening has the very special ability to be a male person who can tell you what it's like to win in All-Ireland. It is, of course, Horace Dalton. How many times did you beat Galway in a Connacht final? Do you know what? Not too many. Um, early days when I was playing Galway, we weren't up um, in the senior ranks, so we didn't play them. And I suppose when they did come up, they bet us more times than not. But like Anthony, we went into the qualifier system and then we, we probably got the, the odds over them. But yeah, um, yeah, many battles with Galway, so probably, yeah. They, they actually probably have more, more Connacht titles than we did and probably do to this day. We're uh, very fortunate to have Cora here this evening because uh, it's a live TV special, Friday. The decision, does Cora continue to play? Are you going back to Australia? Uh, that's, I'll tell you in about 14 ah, Come on, get <laughs> They're all friends here, nobody say that. Um, if anyone knows me, I'm the worst decision maker, so yeah, I just like to, to leave them hanging. Um, yeah, leave them hanging for another 48 hours and try and get a bit more on the contract. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like your style. Uh, no, I, 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 yeah, if the, you know, the probably odds when we go back to the stage are probably more yes than no, but yeah, it's just yeah, small little details and stuff. Um, I suppose the biggest thing for me, if I go back, I'm going to be missing a, a club season with my club, so that'll be probably the first time in oh, 20 odd years that that'll happen. So I suppose that's probably the biggest, the biggest point. Um, so yeah, just make a decision in the next 48 hours. The body is still, the body is still ticking over, so yeah, it'll be, it'll be hard to give it up. From an, a, from an agent's point of view, let him hang. <laughs> let him Keep sit tight. Don't pick the phone up. I, I was listening to the tips there. Oh, God. De- Go on, sorry. De- deadline day, I'll leave it to them about oh. half. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you're still playing with your club at the minute? Yeah, I'm still um, uh, playing away, um, tipping away, playing a bit with them, um, just le- league stuff, um, yeah, training away with them. So, yeah, I, I try to play as much as I can. Um, I have, I've missed very little club in the last five years, even though when I've been in Australia, bar the time I came back from Australia and, and broke my leg. Um, I, that's probably the only time. And even at that time, I was five and a half months out after broken leg and I was trying to play in a county final. So, yeah, that's... And obviously at the minute, there's no county players playing club. So when they see Cora Staunton coming up against them, I'm sure they're like, ah, Jesus, here no, we go. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm more like... So we play this kind of le- uh, steer league, so there's no county players. So this is the second year I've played in it. And, so you think you're going along to the match and there's, you know, girls that are 20 years younger than you that think they'll do all the running. And the next thing, the team list is called out. I'm hoping to be number 13 or 15 and stand in a corner forward. And next thing, you're put number eight. And you're like, oh, God, I've ne- I can- couldn't play midfield at the heights of my, my um, football career, never mind now. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, by God, it's a challenge. I, I found it very challenging last year to, to play in it. So, but it's good. I enjoy it and it brings along the young ones. And do you miss the Mayo days? Uh, I'd probably say not, and that's probably from the point of view I'm still playing very competitively in Australia. It's, it's probably, um, 
I, I don't know how to describe it. It's like if you give up, if you ha like if you give up alcohol or cigarettes, but you have something to substitute mm. with. So um, <laughs> that's probably like what? what it is. Um. <laughs> and you have four All Ireland. Yeah, I, I suppose, but I like I I'm still playing, as I said, very competitively. I've probably went from amateur to professional, even though there's no difference in the standard. So yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, Australia is, is competitive. It's a new challenge. It's a whole new sport and. I feel like I'm kind of relatively new to it. It's like a, a new career, really. So even though I'm, I'm doing it at not a young age. We need to acknowledge how, I don't want to say how insane it is that you're still playing at this elite level, but uh, we were born uh, a few months apart, I think about a month apart, so we're you know, early 30s. Uh, <laughs> but you've, <laughs> you've, <laughs> about that. Uh, what happened you've you? Been, you well, <laughs> let's not get into that. Uh, You've been playing pretty much elite senior level for 27 years. Yeah, I suppose I... This is, this is where I do the aim and dumpy and I manage to stay alive. <laughs> I suppose I don't look at it like that. Um, you know, I suppose when I went into the Mayo Seniors at, you know, 13 and a half, four, coming up on 14. <laughs> that doesn't even yeah, that should be illegal. It, it, it doesn't happen now, but that was just the norm. And I suppose for me, every year just kind of rolled into the next um, with Mayo. And obviously my club, Karen and Cohn, we were very successful, you know, for two decades where we, you know, I think in that period we, we won 21 county titles and we won probably 16 or 17 Connacht. So my year used to finish with Mayo in September, August, September, and then Karen O'Connor would roll on to, to December. The All-Ireland final for club was usually the middle of December and then it's back into pre-season with Mayo and just feels like it rolled into one. Then Australia came about and I thought I'd go out there for a year and you know that was at 35 and now I'm possibly going out for my sixth year. So. Um, yeah. I think, I, think, I think you need to go to Vegas for a week. <laughs> <laughs> Some spotlight. <laughs> Come on. So, um, yeah, it's, it's just, I suppose it's a little bit of an addiction, um, you know, and as I said, my body is allowing me to play and, and, and play well enough, so um, I suppose that's going to give up sometime soon enough, and when it gives up, I'm not going to be able to keep going. You know, I've been lucky enough with injuries. I've had a few, few, few big ones, but majority of the time I've been lucky enough to get over them pretty quickly. And it is an amazing opportunity to get to go out and play a professional sport, you know, semi-professional, professional, you know, have that chance to, to live like a professional athlete. Like, we don't have that chance here, so I'm sure that side of it as well was like, Absolutely, you know, yeah, why that, would I turn it down? That was a massive draw. Obviously, here in, in Ireland, the GA is amateur, um, but you're basically putting in professional hours, but you're trying to work a nine-to-five job in between. Um, so, yeah, I suppose when I go to Australia, then, you know, it's a semi-professional sport, but majority of us Irish out there don't work. Um, so you're, you're living the professional lifestyle. So to me, when I went out, it was like it was a no-brainer that you were going to get good at it and, and get, you know, better at every year that you're out there because you're, you're dedicating all your time to it. You know, you have plenty of time to recover. You know, you have plenty of time to do all your, all your work that you knew your extra work to get used to the game. So everything's there on hand to, give, to, to make the best that you can be. You just have to do the work. So yeah, the professional lifestyle is, is amazing. I, like, for me, I, I, you know, my dream when I was a six, seven or eight year old, I was a huge Manchester United fan. I wanted to play soccer for Manchester United. I wanted to be Roy Keane. Um, but that was never going to happen at the time because there wasn't professional women's soccer. And I suppose when I got a phone call at 35 to see did I want to go play professional AFL, I knew a bit about it. I said, 
here, I'll give it a go. And yeah, I'm lucky enough that, you know, I've been doing that for the last five years. Amazing. And do you feel, still feel like you're still learning the game? Oh, c completely. Um, you know, I think I will be as long as I'm playing it. And if, I'm being, if I'm involved in it after it, I think it's like Anthony. I didn't naturally grow up with it, so I don't know it. Um, it's a very complex game. People think, oh, AFL, it's just different to Gaelic football because the ball is different. It's completely different. Um, there's a lot of positions in the team. We have wingers and people that played inside mid in different roles. I know my role and I'm a key forward. I probably don't know majority of the rest of the roles where everyone else is doing. I don't have time to learn it. I just have time to concentrate on what I'm doing. Um, the longer I'm there, the more I'm getting used to it and the more, more games I watch. I want a lot, watch a lot of the men's games. So, yeah, I, I get used to it then. But I'll never have the knowledge of AFL like I have the knowledge of Gaelic football. From an agent's point of view? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you're going to be a manager over there and you're going to get well paid, you know the roles, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of dodgy agents out there, so I can, <laughs> I'm sure you fit in probably well. Yeah. The same side one. <laughs> oh, there's, uh, Deserve that. There, there's so much going on uh, in sport at the moment. It feels as though this big story of what's happening with the AFL and the change in the calendar has sort of mm -hmm. slipped through the cracks because it's, it's going to have a massive impact on ladies football, which has been such a success story. But we're in a situation where an awful lot of the best players have gone and now aren't in a position to come back to play for their counties. And it sounds as though the way the AFL is progressing, that it's, it's only going to get worse, that we're going to see more and more players going. Can yeah. you tell us exactly what's happening? Yeah, so this is the first year our season has changed. So normally our season would be, we'd go um, out to Australia for kind of September, October time, and we'd be finished by um, April time. But now they've decided to change the season because that was in, in the middle of summer. So we'll be playing in temperatures 40 plus degrees. And it's very hard um, to obviously train and play in that for the summer. So they're trying to align with the men's. So the men's have 18 AFL teams out there. Now the women's have 18 for the first time in the season upcoming. So they're trying to align it with the men. So the men's season runs from March to October, um, playing season, and then pre-season normally is from January to March or December to March. So they're trying to align it with the men's. So that will probably take probably another two or three years. I think 2026, they're hoping they'll be full-time professional and it'll be a full-time competition. So my time that I've been playing over there, girls have been able to come over and back because the seasons haven't um, you know, crossed paths, bar the, the National League, where now... Um, probably from this season on, girls are going to be expected to go out probably May time and they won't be home till Christmas time. So you're not going to be able to play a championship, which for, for women's football runs probably from May time to or July at the moment, but around that period. So, yeah, unfortunately, um, ladies football are, are losing a lot. Or, or their biggest stars at the moment, Vicky Wall being probably the biggest, is, is going over to North Melbourne. Another one announced today from Armagh. Blohin Mackin, but um, you know there's even more. I think there's 20 at the moment, and um, potentially that will be out there for season seven. But the draft has to happen. The draft happens in in, in another um, 10 days' time. So when the draft draft happens, that say there'd possibly be another two or three Irish. But I suppose I was asked this question maybe three or four years ago. COVID happened in the middle. If COVID didn't happen, there'd be at least probably. 35, 40 plus Irish out there now. But with COVID happening, it wasn't easy to get into Australia. Um, you know, if we were lucky enough to get in because we had been playing in, in the thing. But in that two year COVID time, I don't think any Irish, maybe one was signed. So that, that period there probably would have been at least 10. But 
by 2026 when it's full-time professional and you can make a, 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 a good living out there and have a good lifestyle if you're in your early 20s it's, it's a huge draw so I, you know I'm not putting figure on, definite figures on it but certainly by 26 I'd say they're going to have you know 40 Irish that will be probably playing in the competition and unfortunately they're going to be a lot of your you know top players and yeah. the likes of the Meads and that and, and the Dublins and that and, and the top teams are going to see Mayo for an example you know we've um, five or six girls that are playing out there and, and three of them haven't returned to play for um, Mayo this year and you know that's that's uh, you know a lot of players on a team so it's it's a it's a challenge ladies football what, what are they going to do what are they going to do because it's such a positive thing like you wouldn't want to knock girls getting this opportunity to go out and play in this environment to improve themselves you know to, to make a bit of money all of this sort of thing to get this experience but this is going to decimate yeah, ladies and I football. What people in the last um, kind of two months or less, the, the uh, AFLPA, which is like the GPA, have negotiated um, a collective bargaining agreement. So it's like your wage payment for, for the program for the women's and what it'll be over the next couple of years. So they, they got a 94% pay rise for, for the women right throughout all the tiered systems. So girls going out there you know, can make a, a very good living. Um, and it'll only keep increasing. It's not going to decrease in any in any time. So it's only going to keep increasing. They're going to make a good living out there. And I suppose from the point of view, what I have been, you know, probably harping on about with ladies football, you know, I'm retired from Mayo four or five years now. Um, girls are still being looked after in ladies football. They're not, you know, they're trying to equalise it out with the men, but they're not. You know, they've talked about you know, giving them expenses, looking after them. There's, you know, I know I have friends still play with Mayo. You know, one girl, and she, she spoke out about it on Twitter, Fiona McHale, she drives from Tipperary to Mayo for training, you know, three times a week, which she does it because she loves, obviously, playing for Mayo. But that's, you know, a, a huge amount of mileage to do in a week, and she's still not getting a penny. Fiona's been playing for Mayo probably for the last 17 or 18 years. And it's not that you want money to play for your county, but you just don't want to be out of pocket expenses. And I feel like when we talk about these things in, in ladies' sport, it becomes topical maybe for that week or a couple of weeks and then it's gone and people don't ask questions but nothing nothing's been changing in that time they say they'll change it they'll say they'll amalgamate the, the two organizations and you know nothing is happening and unfortunately now you're losing talent in front of in front of your eyes they've got to get opportunities for younger kids 16 17 that are, the way the game is going they're going to have loads of opportunity can they actually provide different options for them going forward not Money. We never want money in GA, I don't yeah. think. But we want opportunities yeah, to I'm have different ways. I never want to see the GA go semi-professional or professional yeah. because I think it'll ruin the whole club element and I'm all for a club. But you just want to be looked after. A lot of the time you're probably... I know in my time when I was playing for Mayo, your, your career's probably suffering a little bit. You're probably not going to go for them job opportunities because you're like, I need a job that fits in with Gaelic football that I can train five times a week and be here and there. So you just want to be not out of pocket expenses. And if, if I was a 19, 20 or 21 year old, it's very hard to turn down, you know, a very good living wage. Live in Australia, do it for five or six years. Um, or you've just come out of college. You know, people want to travel and it's very hard to turn down. And it's not like probably men's sport here. I suppose if you want to be um, a, in a team sport and make money, you know, in Ireland, the only women's professional is women's sevens which that's only a tin player panel. And AFL is probably the only thing. Women's soccer has become bigger and bigger, but they still go across the water. So, you know, if you want to be a professional sports person in a team sport, AFL is probably the biggest draw at the moment. They have, like, say, you said about 15 players now going across. In 10 years' time, that's going to be 150. Yeah. And they're all going to come, they're all going to get younger and younger because they're going to, on the back of your success, yeah. they're going to go get more and they're going to dig more into it. And so they got, the GA have to provide... 
better things. Yeah, so what do you do? You actually had said just before the show maybe a schedule change or... Well, I'd like, if, it, if it gets that bad where the top players are missing from every county, like, do they need to change I the schedule in Ireland? I think a schedule change is going to come about right. because the women's game is now... It'll be, this year it's a 12-month contract, so when it becomes full-time professional, it'll be like the, like the boys. You, you'll get to come home for Christmas and maybe you'll have eight to ten weeks off and, and that'll, be your, that'll be your time. So, I, I, unfortunately, I think if they want to stop what's happening now, um, they probably need to start looking after their players. That's the biggest thing. There will be girls that you know will always want to play for the county and that, but I think it's it's to st- to start looking after them and stop talking about it, because um, talking can do all the things in the world. Actually, put actions in, and you know I I've been very vocal on the amalgamation of the associations. Like, you know, why in this day and age isn't all the Camogie, LGFA, and GA? Why isn't it just all GA? And why isn't it when? Um, Dublin ladies or Mayo ladies or whoever go to train that they can't, you know, train in McHale Park. Like Mayo hurlers a few weeks ago, mm. like they couldn't play a game in McHale Park. Why are they different to the Mayo footballers? They train as hard. So these things baffle me. And you know, until the GEA and it's not really the GEA, it's until ladies football decide to amalgamate under the GEA and get things sorted out. These things are never going to be fixed. It's a it's a really interesting point about the the lack of opportunities for full time professional sport for women in the country. And listen, there is I know an Olympic carding movement where you can get up to forty grand a year, but it's incredibly limited. Like we have all been patting ourselves on the back for the last couple of years around the success of women's sport in the country, and Katie Taylor and Rachel Blackmore and the hockey team and Ellen Keane. Do you think is that sort of just overshadowing what's actually happening below the surface? And yeah, I, I do. I think there's there's a certain level, and the Olympic sports are, are certainly. But I, I think if you spoke to majority, like Irish rugby, the way they've been treated, the hockey team, you know, majority of them are working. Um, you know, if you even look of you know, and this is by choice and Kelly Harrington's choice, she she still works. But you know, forty thousand as an athlete and. You know, you put so much time into that. You're, you're going to have to, and all the travelling. You're going to have to. If you want to have a, a mortgage and a house in Ireland, that's not going to be enough for you to, you know, to to make money. So I I think people are just kind of like they look at the success of these teams, but they actually don't see underneath what's happening. Going okay, the hockey team majority of them are still studying or trying to have a career. Um, Irish rugby, they're not being paid at all in the 15 circuit. Um, you know, the sevens are being paid, but paid poorly. So you know, I I just think that. Sometimes it's, it's talked about and we see the success on the television and how well they do. And then it's just, that's, that's what I mean. It's just painted over. It's forgotten about until the next, you know, the Irish women's soccer team do well. But, you know, why can't we, you know, start to look at even the women's soccer here, the women's national league, why can't we start to look at putting that semi-professional and then moving it on? Because, fortunately, we're going to lose all our young talent, female talent, uh, either abroad in, in England or we're going to lose it abroad to other sports and AFL being one of them. It does feel that we see it more, we hear about it more. As you said, the conversations are happening, but when you go out and talk to the players, you, you speak to the girls, they do say, yeah, there's a hell of a lot more that needs to be done. And it's funny the way you explain it there because it, it is hitting home that it's like, there hasn't been a hell of a lot really improved I, I, no, no when joke, you sit Ashton, down. I, was, I spoke about this, I'd say, easily 10 years ago. I yeah. spoke about this yeah. and nothing in that When team. I'd say a lot of people in the room would think, oh, it, it's really yeah. improved oh, no, a hell of a lot, which it has to a certain extent, but... And truth be told, in the whole ladies' football circuit, until Fiona McHale came out and said they weren't getting expenses, I thought they were getting expenses. Yeah. I didn't know. I'm not in the, in the inter-county scene for the last four years. I thought they were. I would have thought they were. And they're not. I only, that's only a month ago that I didn't know. So that's what I mean. It's sometimes it's just all painted over. And until people speak out and say, this is still not happening, it's never going to change. 
It does seem as though that we are heading towards an amalgamation, though, but that the hesitancy is on the side of the LGFA and Camogie. Yeah, I, I, and I can definitely tell you, I, I was in um, Asia at a, um, the Asian GEA Games, oh, going back, I think, when Nicky Brennan was uh, president, and I was in a taxi with him <coughs> going out to the Games, and he spoke at the time of wanting to amalgamate the LGFA, and you know that was one thing he wanted to do in his presidency. Um, and that's, to me, I can't even remember, that's probably six, eight years ago. I don't know when exactly he was president. But things haven't changed. And, and, and it's certainly majority is on LGFA side of things. And for, from what they've spoken out when, you know, they said that they will, they will eventually amalgamate, you know, they said it could take years. So, you know, I think we could still be talking about this in five years' time and it hasn't right. happened. Yeah, it's such a pity you think that it would, um, at this stage, be completely different. And if we had to ask you, between the AFL, W game and the, and the ladies football game, what do you prefer? Uh, I, it's, <laughs> it's hard to know. Uh, I probably at the moment, obviously, you know, as I said, AFL is a whole new game and try, trying to learn something. It's like trying to, you know, picking up, if I was like me, trying to pick up camogie now and learn. It's, it's new and, you know, um, I'm getting better and better as the, as the seasons go on. So, yeah, at the moment, that's probably, you know, my favourite, you know, sport, but that's not to say when I go out and throw on, you know, the club jersey, I, you know, I love, I love football, I love watching all sports, it doesn't matter what it is, so, but yeah, it's just the challenge of that, you know, trying to make yourself better, no matter what you do, you want to try and be the best of what you can do, and I suppose that's what I'm trying to achieve now. Cora, I was getting a very hard time on the first panel for being, you know, positive about the Irish football team and, you know, getting excited about uh, Nathan Collins. I have at times been accused of uh, maybe getting a bit excited about the Mayo footballers ahead of an All-Ireland final <laughs> and uh, maybe having to come crashing down to earth on that long walk back from uh, Crow Park, uh, what, 13 times at this stage? Uh, come on, Cora, give us a bit of positivity. This, this is the year, right? That's a simple enough draw for Mayo, isn't it? Straightforward. <laughs> God, I think we've been saying this is the year for God oh, since I've been going to Crow Park in 96 or 97. Uh, it's very hard to know. Like you, you presume last year, probably 2017 to me was the year that we mm. certainly kicked it away. And you thought going into last year after beating the Dubs and um, you, you'd put that down to probably being... <laughs> I feel your pain, Waterford. Um, <laughs> we're not talking about one we're talking about male. No, sorry. I just feel <laughs> the pain. <laughs> I do think, you know, all, all joking aside, I do think they have a great chance against Kerry. That's not saying I do think they'll win the All-Ireland. I do think Kerry are coming in very untested. People are looking at the league final and, oh, Mayo got hammered in the league final. I think league football and championship football is totally different. Um, I do think they have a chance. After that, it's going to be very difficult. They're going to have a very difficult uh, run to the All-Ireland um, but that's not to say Mayo can do anything. Mayo could produce anything. They can be brilliant. Mayo can do anything, Stephen. <laughs> hear that? <laughs> but they can be brilliant one minute and they can be so poor the next. You just don't Kild know. Kildare performance is, is probably the biggest example of that. But, you know, if you look at the other side of the draw, the Galway, Armagh, Derry, Clare, what an opportunity for one of them four teams. You know, not probably putting Clare, you know, being the least of the, the four that will probably get to a... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, let's be realistic are. now. <laughs> Real world. <laughs> that will probably, you know, struggle to get to the semi-final. But what an opportunity it is for, you know, Galway, Armagh or Jerry to, to get there. Um, you know, the Galway, Armagh match, I think, is, is going to be a cracker. I think that, that um, Sunday, I think it is, the, the Galway, Armagh, Mayo, Kerry, I think that's going to be a fabulous day of football. Um, Unfortunately, if I was given a tip for the All-Ireland, unfortunately, I think it's going to be the dubs. Um, and I hate saying that. Um, but um, I just think, yeah, they're, they're, I think they're, um, they're still a bit, you know, obviously 
bitter from last year and the way last year went for them. And I just think they're a little bit of a different animal. I hope I'm proven wrong, um, you know, but I, I don't think, I don't think, I just don't, I'm, I'm, I'm not sold on Kerry. That's how, a no from Mayo think, then. How do you think that Mayo did against Kildare? You're all bigging them up, but I'm like, that performance, surely. It's, it's no point peeking in whatever month it is now. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we said in May, that's what we've been saying through June. Yeah. Uh, we do pick a Christmas store quite good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, Owen's not on stage. Uh, if you had a choice between David Clifford or Conor Callahan in your starting team. That's difficult. Why, 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 why are we keeping it to them too? You want to expand it? You think there's more on that list? Uh, probably in, in a forward category, not. Um, yeah, I do like Shane Walsh's footballer. I think he's a super footballer. He's very, he's, very, he's very different to the two guys in, in the way he plays. Um, but if I was to have someone beside me, it would probably have to be Clifford. I just think he's, he's different. Um, I, I do think Khan is, is a super footballer. I just think, um, yeah, probably Clifford just shades it a little bit. But um, I think there's some, some super footballers out there at the moment. I think Reno O'Neill is another one I watched. was in Clonus on Sunday and just watched his performance. He was unbelievable. Um, so, you know, they're some of our top forwards that are there at the time. But, yeah, I think Clifford probably is just that little bit X factor. But I think the two of them are just, you know, phenomenal footballers that, um, you know, have been good for the last number of years. You know, obviously Clifford is his All-Irelands and, you know, or Con is his All-Irelands, Clifford doesn't. So that's probably the big telling point. But, um, yeah, I, I think it's, it's a toss. I'd, I'd have either of them. Yeah. <laughs> Who would you pick? Oh, Clifford. It's got to be, doesn't it? Yeah. But Con, since he's came back, I think it's so impressive how his strength, how he uses that, but then he's still so composed, you know? But yeah, I think I would go with Clifford now. Two in a row for Mead? Oh, I hope so, I hope so. I think with Vicky going, you know, Orla Lally's going as well. So yeah, I, uh, hopefully, you know, they'll be hoping that they can do it. But uh, it's a very hard thing to do back to back, isn't it? I'm sure, you know, Cora, like to be able to... I've been on that high of winning, the celebrations, the whole lot, and then just be like, right, straight back into it. We need to back this up. I suppose a good example is the Tyrone men. How there much you go. Of, uh, yeah. How, how far they've fallen this year. You know, um, when you're All-Ireland champions, you always kind of have something to prove. I suppose if you're a male person, you have something extra to prove. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we always felt that I was lucky enough. I'd done back-to-back twice. Um, but we, we tried to do three in a row and, you know, we lost by, by a point. It's quite difficult. Um, I think Mead will struggle. I think, again, unfortunately, in the women's side, it's, it's going to be Dublin's ear. Yeah, they look very strong. They look very strong. Yeah. And they're, again, I think when you lose in All-Ireland, you're kind of a, um, a little bit of a dif- different animal in, in their case. Um, I think, yeah, Dublin will probably take it. Well, on that positive note. But we won't, we won't write me <laughs> Not just yet. Not just yet. Uh, you've got yourself an agent core, which means yeah. that the next 48 hours are going to be interesting. Uh, I worry about the sign-on for you. Yeah. <laughs> Percentages are raising by the drink. Oh, yeah. I heard it's 20%. Percentages. <laughs> uh, we are here with Thanks to Island's Edge. Give it up, please, for the great Cora Staunton. <laughs> We're going to take a short break, just for about 10 minutes. If you want to grab yourself a pint of Island's Edge, you want to go to the Jacks, we'll be back. We've got Gary Murphy, we've got a special crappy quiz. So about 10 minutes, we'll be back with you. Thank you very much. So there you go, that was our Island's Edge episode. We hope you enjoyed it, and it brought you new ideas and new points of view and things for you to think about, maybe even over a pint of Island's Edge. See you next time.